On October 10th, the church beatified Carlo Acutis. Beatification, of course, is the final step before canonizing someone as a saint. So it's always a special occasion. But this was of particular importance. Carlo was, uh, is, I should say, the first millennial to be beatified. He died in 2006 at the age of 15 in Milan, Italy. And by all accounts, he was a normal kid. He played, uh, liked video games, played Pokemon and Super Mario. He owned a PlayStation. He had a knack for computers. But he's also had a, a tremendous faith. Uh, he was devoted to our, our Lady, to the Blessed Virgin Mary, and especially devoted to the Eucharist. In fact, he built a website for cataloging all the various Eucharistic miracles around the world. But his faith really, the, the depths of his faith, really showed when he was diagnosed with leukemia as a young teenager. Carlos saw this as something he could offer up. He could offer this suffering up, saying, quote, I offer all the suffering I will have to suffer for the Lord, for the Pope, and for the Church. I think it's worthwhile to ponder the story of Blessed Carlo Acutis as we celebrate the Feast of All Saints. As its name suggests, today we celebrate all the saints. The word saint comes from the Latin word sanctus, which means holy. So the saints are the holy ones. Today we celebrate those saints, uh, those holy ones officially canonized by the church, who serve as examples of heroic virtue and intercede for us even now in heaven. And we celebrate all those souls who, even though they aren't officially canonized, nonetheless now enjoy the eternal reward of heaven. Anyone in heaven is a saint, is a holy one, and so today we celebrate them all. At the same time, this celebration is meant to serve as a reminder, an inspiration that our very purpose, our final and ultimate goal, our reason for being and existing is to be a saint, is to be holy. And this is where blessed Carlo Acutis's story can help us, for he shows us that sanctity, holiness, it's not reserved to the elite few, but that it is the destiny of us all, that all of us are called to be holy, all of us are called to be saints. As the Catholic philosopher Peter Kreeft once wrote, saints are not freaks or exceptions, they are the standard operating model for human beings. It is simply the destiny, the purpose we are created for. So the question then is, how do we become holy? How do we become a saint? And I hope it goes without saying that it's impossible without the grace of God. It is not something that we can do by our own efforts alone. We need God's assistance. We need his grace, which uh, is ordinarily made available to us in the sacraments. Yet even still, we are not passive in this process of sanctification, of becoming saints. We must cooperate with his grace. So the question remains, how do we become a saint? How do we become holy? There's a 17th century French Catholic spiritual writer, Jean-Pierre de Cassade, who once wrote, in reality, holiness consists of only of one thing only, complete loyalty to God's will. The great and firm foundation of the spiritual life is the offering of ourselves to God and being subject to his will in all things. So holiness is found in doing the will of God, in conforming our will 
with his. So how do we know the will of God? Well, when we talk about the will of God, we need to distinguish between his permissive will, what God allows to happen, and what he directly wills, what he absolutely or actively wills, right? He absolutely wills uh, the design of creation. He absolutely wills that we be created in his image and likeness, and um, he created us for a purpose, right? An end or a goal to be a saint. How do we know God's absolute will, his direct will? Well, he revealed it to us. He told us it. He revealed those truths necessary for salvation in sacred scripture, but also in sacred tradition, right? Those truths Jesus um, handed on to the apostles that have been preserved and handed on down through the generations for 2,000 years in the Catholic Church. And, you know, we find one of the best summaries of the whole of God's revelation, a summary of his will, in the Catechism of the Catholic Church. If we want to know the will of God, the direct will of God, then we'll read the Catechism. Let me give you an example, all right? Sacred Scripture, God reveals the Ten Commandments. Take the Eighth Commandment, for instance. Thou shalt not uh, bear false witness against your neighbor. Thou shalt not lie. Pretty straightforward, and it is. But if we turn to the Catechism, we see 49 paragraphs about just the Eighth Commandment alone. It talks about what is a lie, what is not a lie, how to measure the gravity of a lie, It talks about various additional sins that follow from this commandment, sins like rash judgment, which is when we assume the moral fault of another without sufficient reason, or the sin of detraction, which is when we disclose another's faults and failings to somebody else who doesn't know about them without good reason, even though what we say is true. So we see in these 49 paragraphs Um, that the Catechism cites sacred scripture, the fathers of the church, and the documents, um, uh, the official teaching of the church. We read it and we see the totality of God's will in regard to the Eighth Commandment. Just just a side note about um, God's revelation and his will, uh, his direct will. I know there are many people who are upset and confused by what the media is reporting Pope Francis said, especially about civil unions of same-sex couples. What I would say to someone confused or upset about this situation is to read Archbishop Nauman's column this week in the Leaven. Uh, If you don't get the Leaven delivered to your house, it is available online. Um, In that column, the archbishop says this, quote, No pope has the authority to change a moral teaching that is both rooted in the Bible, the 2,000-year-old tradition, and the consistent moral teaching of the church. End quote. Why is that the case? It's because God's will doesn't change. God is he who cannot deceive nor be deceived. Thus, we can have the utmost certainty that the moral law he revealed to us in sacred scripture and tradition is true and cannot change. He's not going to reveal a moral norm. Let's just stick with the Eighth Commandment and say um, lying is a sin, and then 2,000 years later say, just kidding, now lying is good and you need to do it. He, he can't do that. God is he who cannot deceive nor be deceived, and he's not. Truth won't contradict true. Something that's true 2,000 years ago is true uh, today. Something true from Revelation that was true 2,000 years ago is true today. 
the, the, the conclusion, though, is if we want to be a saint, and we all should, that's the purpose we're created for, then we will want to know God's will. How do I live my life? How do I conform my life to God? And we find that in sacred scripture and sacred tradition. So we ought to read our Bible and read our catechism. The catechism, if you don't own a physical copy, is available for free online in total. That's the direct will of God. But then there's the permissive will of God, what he allows to happen. Nothing escapes the will of God. Everything that happens, at the very least, God has permitted it to happen, if not directly willed it. Of course, this raises the question, God is all good, all-knowing, all-powerful, all-loving, so why does moral evil exist in the world? This means that, uh, well, I think we can answer that in general. In general, God permits, allows evil because he alone can bring a greater good out of it in some mysterious way. He alone can bring good out of evil, victory out of defeat, life out of death. This is true whether the evil or suffering we are enduring is mundane and routine like being in quarantine for 14 days or having to put up with a relative who is a little too vocal about politics you wholeheartedly disagree with, or whether the suffering is tragic and feels unbearable, like being diagnosed with leukemia as a young teenager, or the untimely death of a loved one. There are circumstances in our life, events in our life, that we can't change, that we have no control over, that we don't like, that annoy us, that weigh us down and feel like a burden. 2020 has provided us with more than a few of those. But here is the thing. We must learn to see and accept suffering as something God has permitted for our greater good. We see this dynamic between suffering and holiness in our first reading from the book of Revelation which describes the saints in heaven as those who survived the time of great distress. In other words, if we want to be counted among the throng of saints in heaven, we, should, we all should uh, see the cross, suffering in this life, as an integral part of growth and holiness. And we see this dynamic in the lives of the saints, especially blessed Carlo Acutis, who saw his leukemia diagnosis as something God had permitted him to endure to bring about a greater good. And so he offered it up. I'm sure many of us are familiar with Romans 8.28, where St. Paul writes, uh, all things work for the good for those who love God. Well, when I was in quarantine, I'm tested negative and I'm out, thanks be to God. But uh, when I was in quarantine, I, I was reading uh, the Dewey Reams translation of the Bible, which was the, the English translation of the Bible, the Catholic Bible, for about 400 years until 50 or 60 years ago. And it has a slightly different translation, which uh, uh, beautifully syncs with, with All Saints Day and, and the accepting suffering from God. Here's how it's translated in the Dewey Reams Bible. And we know that to them that love God, all things work together unto good, to such as, according to his purpose, are called to be saints. We are all called to be saints. So let us seek to do the will of God. Let us seek to conform our will to his. Let us seek to do the will of God by learning 
what he, uh, his will for our life by reading sacred scripture, by reading the catechism, and then by his grace striving to conform our life to the dictates and precepts he has revealed in scripture and tradition. Let us conform our life to his will by seeing our annoyances, our inconveniences, even the most profound suffering we might endure is permitted by our heavenly father for some greater good to transform us into the saints he created us to be.